Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Well, our text for today is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The season of that we celebrate roughly from Thanksgiving through December 25th, oftentimes called the Sunday, the, the, the Christmas season. The Lord Jesus, been born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, the journey that Joseph and Mary made to Bethlehem, and the child was born there at Bethlehem because of the taxation of the Roman emperor calling men to come to this, this, their home city. And so they ended up there in Bethlehem, and they had the child. And then the wise men came at uh, Herod, and Herod ended up having them sent to Bethlehem, hoping to, uh, apparently, to kill the Christ child, and the, the Lord Jesus. And his parents escaped the threat of Herod, though there were others that were murdered in his effort to slay a rival to his throne. They escaped to Egypt, and these stories are told, stories, these accounts of the Lord Jesus and his coming to this earth are told year by year. The purpose of his coming is revealed to us in various places of the scriptures. And here in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, we see one of the purposes of his coming stated. And it says here that he might destroy the works of the devil. Every one of us has been affected, has been affected adversely by the works of the devil. Now, in the book of John, chapter 8 and verse 44, it says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. The Lord, the Lord is speaking, Jesus is speaking right there to the Pharisees in John eight forty four. 
And he goes on and says that he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. Now there are two of the devil's works that the Lord Jesus puts down in this verse, John eight forty four. He was a murderer and the liar. And our verse in first John says that Jesus Christ, that the Son of God was made manifest. He was made obvious, he was made open before men. He came into this world for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. These two listed in John 8.44, murder and lying, these two works the Lord came to destroy. And we'll consider a third one, that he is the accuser of the brethren. And our study obviously would be somewhat cursory, but sufficient to see uh, the work of Jesus Christ and his benefit to us. For the sufferings that we endure, having submitted ourselves willingly to the wiles of the devil. Well, the Lord says there in John chapter 8, 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Well, the reference the Lord makes here is obviously the beginning of creation. From the beginning, he was a murderer. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the Garden of Eden is a tree of life, and the Lord gave instructions to Adam and Eve and told them, The day that you eat of this fruit, or when you eat of this fruit, ye shall surely die. The Lord spoke. He spoke clearly. He used plain language to speak to these first two a man and a woman that lived on the earth that he had created, the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Well, Satan came to the woman and beguiled her. And in his deception of Eve, he said, ye shall not surely die. The fruit looked good. The fruit looked good to eat. And she took, and she did eat. And she gave it to her husband that was with her. Well, the work of the father of lies was accomplished. He deceived them, and they took of the fruit. And they found that what the Lord had said was truth. And what the, that Satan had said was a lie. And they believed the lie. And they died because they believed the lie. Death had come to the race of men because they believed the lie. This is, this is the work of the devil. And this work, the lie and death. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ was manifested he was born of a virgin in Bethlehem to destroy this work of the devil, the work of the lie, the work of the murderer. Ye shall not surely die. 
the devil said, the murderer said. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The responsibility for this death, it's laid at Satan's feet. It's not as though man is not responsible or that God does not hold men responsible for their actions. For they, Adam and Eve, they, they flew in his face. And those who have followed in Adam and Eve's lineage have all taken up what Adam and Eve embraced in the Garden of Eden. They followed the devil's lie. And death came because of it. The devil's given credit for it, but we all know that we're guilty, for we all die. Death came by one man, and sin entered to the world. Death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all are sinners. We face death, every one of us, and somehow it always seems very distant, a funeral comes along, perhaps someone who's very elderly, and death is, oh, well, people who are very elderly, well, they die. That's what happens to elderly people. But there's still a sadness that attends to the passing of every man. Though it's just and it's deserved, death comes. Death comes closer to home when it's somebody who we think, well, they're too young to be dying at that age. Perhaps a 45-year-old has a heart attack and dies before they get him, him or her to the hospital. And there's death. And you say, oh, well, they were too young to die. But they're not. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. This is the work of the devil. For he's a murderer. Romans 5, chapter Romans chapter 5, verse 17 continues, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, death has ruled over the human race by one man's sin, Adam's sin, and all those who have followed in his lineage have died. Much more than, and here's the contrast, and here's the work of Christ to destroy the work of the devil, much more than, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, imputed righteousness, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And in verse 19, For as by one man's offense, Adam's offense, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil and the work of murder of murder that the devil initiated. And man began to die because he submitted to Satan's deception. And men die because of their own sin. Each one of us faces death because of our own sin. Each one of us does. But by the obedience of one, the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, the sinlessness of Jesus. <clears throat> Oftentimes wonder, 
or think, I have thought on numerous occasions. What is the most remarkable thing of Jesus' life? The, remar- the most remarkable miracle of Jesus' life. That he walked on water. That he rose from the dead. Uh, that he healed a leper. Or lepers. That he fed 5,000 from loaves, five loaves of bread and two fishes. Which one of his miracles or the miracles that he did is most marvelous. And miracles being what they are, it's difficult to raise one up above another. What I think is most remarkable of his 33 years on this earth, of that which is recorded of him in the scriptures, in him is no sin. The work of the devil is destroyed in Jesus Christ. There is no cause of death in him. He he made a way for righteousness to reign and that men might have life. And so in verse 21 of Romans 5 it says that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. It is certain that all men will die. I, uh, other than those who happen to be alive when Christ returns again, and even then this mortal flesh will be put off in that hour, and an eternal body will be given to those who are alive at that time. But in Jesus Christ, this work of the devil to bring death to men is destroyed. And men have life, or men can have life, by trusting or resting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And there is no other hope for man, for any other than the righteousness of Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, I am come that they, that my sheep may have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth life unto his sheep. The Lord Jesus is in the business of destroying the works of the devil. Now there in John 8:44, the Lord Jesus says that the devil is a liar from the beginning and the father of it. It, it, it emanates from him. The God who created the heavens and the earth is the father of lights. The devil is the father of lies. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, Paul says, Let God be true, but every man a liar. We find it so very easy to drop a lie, to shave the truth, to value our word straighter than what it really is. The lie comes so readily to a child, never has been a child ever brought up in this life that needed that didn't need to be corrected for lying. Very early on, the deception begins to set in. It manifests it itself. Adam and Eve believed the lie. And they have passed this naturally from one generation to the next as men have spread across this world and come to inhabitant, inhabit 
all but all of the four corners of the earth. But Jesus Christ was manifest. He came to this earth for the purpose of destroying the lie. And the Lord prayed in John chapter 17 and 17. The Lord Jesus prayed to His Father. He prayed on behalf of His people. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. Our ability as believers to overcome the lie is found through the word of God. Through the truth that is set forth in his word. Through the fact that his word is truth put before us. We are set apart from this world. And those that are noted for the lie. We are set apart by the word of God. In John chapter 18 and verse 37, Pilate said unto the Lord Jesus, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Here he stands, as it were, a prisoner, and yet he is ruling over the ruler. Pilate seeking to do his job, to interrogate this one that's been brought before him, find out what's been going on amongst these rabble-rousing Jews. He'll cut to the chase. And he finds himself pricked in conscience by the Son of God. I bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. And we see very quickly that Pilate is not of the truth. His answer, his response to the Lord's word is the question, what is truth? And he went out to the Jews and he said, I find in him no fault at all. And after he went out and said to the Jews, I find no fault in him at all, he had him scourged. He had a man scourged that had not done any wrong. He had, there was no accusation, no reason to have him scourged. Uh, followed up with his crucifixion in the hours just after this. This Pilate is not a follower of Jesus Christ. Just in having him scourged and then became responsible himself, though the Lord lays a greater responsibility on others who delivered the Lord to Pilate. Pilate found himself in the midst of guilt. And he was not a follower of the truth. But Jesus Christ declares his purpose here before Pilate. I came that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. They hear him and they follow him. It is the word of God. It is the word of God, the written word of God. It is the incarnate word of God. That is the truth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other route and there is no other truth that will bring men into the presence of God or to make men right with God. It is the word of God that destroys Satan's life. Lie. The word of God in the person of Jesus Christ and the written word that we have in our laps this afternoon. Jesus Christ came for this purpose. And he was manifest before men. He was set before men so that no one would miss it. Paul declares this in the book of Acts chapter 17 in Mars Hills that now God commands all men everywhere to repent. There is no excuse that men would have and say, well, I, I didn't know. <clears throat> and there is the accuser. <coughs> Satan is the accuser of the brethren. In the book of Zechariah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And the answering spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away his filthy garments from, take away his filthy garments from him. And unto him Joshua he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. As Joshua the high priest is here being used as an illustration of the justification of the sinner by the direct act of God, that he declares a sinner righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Satan would accuse, Satan would resist, but God declares, take away the filthy garments. I will clothe them with a clean mitre. And so he said, I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And because the work of Jesus Christ, God can declare a sinner to be righteous. Satan would resist, Satan would stand by, but the Lord would rebuke him. And the angel of the Lord prevails in that hour before the judgment of God. Satan is the accuser. In Job chapter 1, the Lord says to Job, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Satan, and here is the accuser, Doth Job fear God for naught? You have built an hedge about him, blessed the work of his hands. His substance is increased. Oh, look how comfortable he lives. Of course he loves you, Lord. Of course he keeps your commandments. Everything's going great for him. You have built an hedge about him, blessed the work of his hands. 
Put forth your hand and he will curse you. Well, the Lord lets Satan loose on Job. Through Satan's influence, Job's wealth disappeared in a day. His children are all killed in a moment. His health was ruined. And his wife turned on him. Curse God and die, she said to him. And Job answered his wife, and he said, What? Shall we receive good at, his, at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job, in all this did not Job sin with his lips. Satan's accusation came against Job. God proved that Satan's accusation was a lie. Job stood, Job stood against Satan's ruin, but Satan came to accuse Job. Satan would accuse us, and we would answer with Romans 8.31, beginning in 8.31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Jesus Christ has come to destroy the accusations of the devil. And it is God that justifies it is Christ that has done the work to make us right with God, and it is Christ who pleads our cause and makes intercession for us. Who is there that could separate us for all of Satan's efforts? There is none that separate us from God, despite the devil's efforts to accuse the people of God. And we read then in the book of the Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For, thy, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. <clears throat> I'd not thought of these words particularly before. He accused before our God day and night. The devil's accusations are unceasing, as unceasing as they can be from this being, this spiritual being, this one Satan. He accuses the brethren he, before God, accusing 
God's people day and night. And God in his wisdom, it's, I think of a, like, like a, a yapping, a, a yapping Pomeranian or, or a little dog, just, just yep, 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 just pestering at somebody, somebody's feet there and just bothersome and tiresome. And God is conducting all of the affairs of men and all the affairs of the earth and all the world. He is, he is tending to all of his creation. And there's this dog down there just barking and yapping. And Satan is walking about the, uh, the uh, everything that the, the people of God are doing, accusing the brethren night and day. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not listening to you. I'm not bothering with you. With Job, he said, "Well, go see what you can do about it." You think that this is this is all that there is to Job, his wealth and his comfort. Go see what you can do about it. And Joshua, the high priest, the Lord rebuked thee, Satan. Just quit it. Well, I don't want to hear it. Here's the God who rules the heavens and the earth for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. They overcame him. They overcame him by the power of the blood, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They viewed the life of Christ and the glory of Jesus Christ above the value of their own lives. Those who overcame the devil so in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, we see the end of Satan and the devil that deceived them. The Lord identifies him, the liar. Those that he deceived in that particular time period there in Revelation 20 and the devil that deceived them, what he was in the beginning, he is in the end. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and to brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and there shall be tormented day and, and night forever. He was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the lie and destroy death, and he destroys the accuser of the brethren. What does Saul's conversion have to do with these things? These verses here. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired letters to Damascus to the synagogue that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might, be, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Here is Saul. Saul of Tarsus, carrying out the works of the devil as a religious zealot. He was believing a lie. It was a lie that had some measure of the truth. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I exceeded, I, I excelled beyond my brethren in these things. I, I was a somebody. He's believing only a portion of what was there. Satan used a portion of the truth. And he twisted and contorted it. And Saul laid hold of that which was false. And he went forth, breathing out, threatening and slaughtering, dragging men and women off to prison. 
Jesus Christ met him on the road to Damascus, knocked him to the ground. Saul of Tarsus was delivered from the wickedness of his own flesh, from his own personal belief in a lie, and even a zealous pursuit of that lie became a murderer himself. The Lord delivered him and made him a servant of the truth. And the man who overcame the devil, and the man who was mightily used, and his testimony, the testimony that's recorded here, this particular events were Saul's and Saul's alone, but it's a testimony that every sinner who comes to Jesus Christ for cleansing, for cleansing from the lie, comes so easily from sin, that sin would be overcome, that righteousness might reign. Every sinner that casts all upon Jesus, that he'd destroy the works of the devil in me, that I have willingly embraced of my own, this same Lord would give me life, give me the truth, and would destroy the accusations of the devil. We see this in Saul of Tarsus, but we see it in every blood-bought believer overcame him by the word of their testimony by the blood of the Lamb. This is the work of Jesus Christ in every sinner that comes to Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus come into the world? And you hear the cliches, keep Christ in Christmas, celebrate the holiday, and so forth. and uh, Wonderful things and music to celebrate for this purpose. The Son of God was manifested he might destroy the works of the devil. And he does. Amen.